Dear Grandma, somebody once wrote, podcasting is the impossibility of reason. That's what late seating feels like. The hardest thing. Hey man, what are you doing? Oh, um, I'm having an internal monologue in the form of a letter to my grandma. Okay, cool. Hey, um, anyways, grandma, the hardest thing I think I've ever done is to review a classic movie every two weeks. I don't know what I'm doing. A classic movie could be standing three feet in front of me and I wouldn't know it. I'm so tired. We get... I thought you said Grandma was dead. Yeah, so? Well, I mean, it's weird. <laughs> You're going to lecture me on what's weird? Of course not. Then I can... Then can I get back to this? You're kind of ruining my flow here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your monologue thing. Okay. Sorry, Grandma. So, where was I? I'm so tired. I, re I remember. I remember. I'm so tired. I get up at 11 a.m., review all day, maybe do about 10 minutes of research. The unwritten rule is... Dear Auntie Agnes, Hi, it's me, Jason. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to review the classic Vietnam War movie Platoon with my co-host Steve. What are you doing? I'm doing an internal monologue thingy in the form of a letter, too. You're copying me, and you're doing it wrong. What I'm doing is serious. It's about the horrors of movie review podcasting. Minus two. Listen, listen, listen. Anyways, Aunt Agnes, I have a bit of trouble with the podcast. I might have to frag my co-host. What? What we got here is a crusade. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is, holy shit, it's good. Uh, yeah, I would say that's fair. Its reputation is, why are you two jack-offs trying to, to do a, a whole podcast and <laughs> exactly. make fun of it? It's super serious. <laughs> its reputation is, how dare you? Someone's going to cry, and it'll probably be Oliver Stone if you do this to him. Oh, poor Oliver. Poor, uh, he's just turned into a basket of conspiracy theories. <laughs> hey, Steve, what movie are we going to review we, that is so super serious that we should not be making jokes about it at all? We are going to review that classic and perhaps most sacred of all Vietnam War movies. I'm talking about the 1986 film Platoon. Hey, Steve, to answer someone's question earlier. Hey, hi, hey, Jason. Oh, hi, hello, listener to the show. Hey, Jason, why is it that you were all uncomfortable about, about, about Downfall, but you're not uncomfortable at this? And the answer is simple, fan who got my house somehow. Um, <laughs> the answer is, is because this is a work of... Fiction. Fiction. That's why. It may be based on things, but if this was like a documented account which he was one-to-one -one writing about things that actually happened and about real people, sure, that that would be problematic. But because this is a work of fiction, um, we have we have we we're not gonna feel as bad. We can still feel bad. So I'm gonna challenge Steve to make sure to make fun of the movie and mm -hmm. not the Vietnam War. Oh, well, there goes <laughs> half my jokes. I know. Throw them away now. I want to see you do it. <sighs> All right, there, they're gone. Cringy.
crunchy, crunchy. Crunchy, crunchy. I'll let crunchy. you keep your trivia, though. Okay. Because okay. I do and have speak, some of that. Do you have any super fun trivia for this super fun, joyful movie that makes you feel good when you leave the theater? It's all super fun. Does it make you just sit in your car and stare at the dashboard? Yeah, in a fun way. Okay, great. So What's some of the trivia? My first super fun bit of trivia is that Oliver Stone was extremely abusive on set. What? I know. I can't believe it either. Um, not that cuddly marshmallow made out of teddy bears. or just, uh, oh, Not that cuddly teddy bear made out of marshmallows. Yes, known for his gentle, self-effacing nature. It is, it is hard to believe. But yes, Oliver Stone was extremely abusive. And according to some cast and crew, quote, borderline psychotic during the oh, shooting of God. the film. Now, here's the kicker. You might think, oh, Oliver Stone sounds like a person with some serious emotional problems. Oh, no, it's okay. He was like like that on purpose. Um, Oliver Stone has since said that he was intentionally acting crazy and abusive on the set because he wanted to expose his actors to stress and get more realistic performances. Because, see, they were playing Vietnam veterans, and they were they were in the shit, and he wanted them to feel a little bit of the stress that actual soldiers felt in the Vietnam War. So he he abused them constantly um, on, on the set during principal photography. Now, um, what did he do? Uh, he would just be, like, really, really impatient and unreasonable, and, like, he would demand, like, multiple takes. He was basically, like, Kubrick, only really, really angry, you know? Okay. Um, and also... Thanks, Stanley. And, and, and also... Yeah, I know, right? Kubrick did it. Oh, fuck. Kubrick did it, and you got great performances. <laughs> and, uh, Kubrick didn't trust actors and didn't like them. Was, <laughs> his own psychological thing was his own insecurities, so fuck him, and fuck you for adopting his... Anyway, so what, did, what else? Did, well, did he kick him? Did he what, kick him? Yeah, I don't did he, he shoot him with a pellet gun? He, he murdered several people. Um, <laughs> no, but so he, he his explanation, this is where I, I think Oliver Stone's explanation doesn't really hold water. He, I mean, even if you think that's a legitimate thing to do, which I don't. I don't it think, is not. It's not. There's no reason to be abusive to people in the production at all. But even if you assume that that's an okay thing, oh, well, he was just trying to push the actors to where they needed to be or whatever. Um, Fuck he, them. He get was better actors if you can't get the performance you want. He was abusive to people other than the actors too, which doesn't oh, really good. which doesn't really fit with the whole thing because he was apparently also abusive to uh the editor of the film and who mm-hmm. said who says that he once berated her for taking away footage of a scene that he had not actually shot yet so <laughs> you know maybe isn't it just possible that notorious coke hound <laughs> Uh, it was 1985 when they were making this movie. I'm just saying. I know, and he said he quit right before he did Scarface oh, that had mountains sure. of cocaine in it, but all of the cocaine in Hollywood didn't magically disappear when Oliver Stone said, no, no, I won't do coke anymore. Yeah. Isn't it possible that he did this whole thing having not had any coke at all and angry at <laughs> the world? <sighs> it's also equally possible that he was making a movie set in a time and place because he did serve in Vietnam. He very much did. I have some trivia about that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very much that it could have been triggering for him and that's why he was in bed, right? It's this very possible, yeah. a, an easy thing for him to, to shoot or to go, you know, Certainly, to go yeah. through. And, no. I mean, in fact, if I was going to make... Yeah, uh, go ahead. Well, there are you, okay. since you brought that up, like there is, there is a, I forget who whose account it's taken from, but 
someone who was a member of the of the crew um, said that apparently during the shooting of one scene, it seemed like he had like a breakdown. He had like a like a, a PTSD episode. Um, sure. So, you know, yeah, it could definitely have been something related to that. Yeah. And it would put you in a bad mood if you had to take the worst moment of your entire life and then fictionalize it for the screen. And you wanted to get it as because really there hadn't been a really good there hadn't really been a movie about Vietnam other than Apocalypse Now. Right. Which where Vietnam was really used as an allegory. Yeah. Apocalypse Now isn't exactly a docudrama. It's really not about, quote unquote, Vietnam. Um, it's more about Heart of Darkness than anything else. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> Um, but no one had actually sat down and just made a Vietnam War movie, mm-hmm. other than John Wayne. Um, yeah, there were some movies about guys coming back from Vietnam and that they're all fucked up, and but there was nothing about what happened in Vietnam, right? Right. And so, you know, I'm willing to cut him some slack for being in a bad mood and not, you know, but then to turn around and say, no, no, I was trying to get a performance out of it, dude. If you were in a bad mood because you were making this movie, own it. Yeah, I'd absolutely. Understand. I think everybody would understand. Of course. But don't. But if you were actually doing it to get a better performance out of people fuck off that's not okay (laughs) yeah that's not okay i and i get and totally dig that if you had you were working through some shit while filming this movie i completely and totally understand that it doesn't necessarily excuse you treating everybody bad but that's far more understandable and coming back and saying no i wanted to get really great performances it's just that's comes off as you know that makes it worse (laughs) masculine posturing after the fact yeah yeah no 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 i'm an artist that's why i did it i mean if it turned out that every stanley kubrick movie he had i'll just pull from my own life right now horrible wrenching gas and that's why he was (laughs) such an awful person on set it wouldn't excuse it but it would definitely make it more understandable yeah just say that yeah just say that but i know that he was a prick and that's the (laughs) That's what he did. He was a prick, and that's how he made his movies. Unless he suffered from gas for, I don't know, 40 years of his filmmaking Which, I mean, now we'll never know, you know? Well, no, no. Not until we're dead and we see him in hell. That's... (laughs) Oh, wow, there's Stanley Kubrick. (laughs) Look at him. Hey, can you take... Hey, demon, take your cock out of his mouth. I want to talk to him for a second. I'd ask what you did to get here, but I think I kind of (laughs) know. Hey, why do... Why do I, why do all of your demons look like Shelley Long? That's weird. <laughs> Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Oh, maybe I'm maybe Shelley, I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe Shelley Long too. Maybe Shelley Long Let's got fucked over. Put all the Shelley. Shelley Winters is here oh, as well. Oh, Shelley Winters would fuck him up. So, well, Satan got kind of confused. He wasn't sure which one it was. Was so we got all the Shelleys. You know what? Shelley Winters might have a beef because she was in Lolita. Oh, that's right. She was. Maybe he was okay, addicted. Yeah, maybe, maybe he was addicted to her on Lolita. She could be like, "Yeah, I've been waiting a long time for this motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anyway, more yes, more trivia. So, um, and speaking of of the editor that Stone berated for non-existent footage, um, sure, she is also the person who suggested that he use adagio for strings. So, <laughs> so he screamed at her for taking away footage that he hadn't actually shot yet, and then mm-hmm. the most recognizable piece of music in the film is there because she mm-hmm. recommended it to him. So, yeah, I hope he at least sent her like a you know a bottle of cocaine or something. You know, I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> okay. say I was gonna say a bottle of wine, but it was Hollywood in the eighties. So he sent her like a, a FedEx package with just some loose cocaine in it, and he was like, "I'm yeah. sorry." 
with a rent boy. Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. I, I apologize. Thank you for suggesting that song. I miss Kansas. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Give me the cocaine. <laughs> and go lay down by the pool. Welcome and, to Hollywood. And play Adagio for strings. I can't come now unless <laughs> right. I hear it. Um, I can't come down unless I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> okay. So as you mentioned, uh, Oliver Stone is actually a Vietnam War veteran. Um, mm-hmm. He based he based the script on some of his own experiences. Uh, sure. in, in fact, he wrote the screenplay shortly after he got back from Vietnam in the early seventies. Um, mm. And part of it, part of the reason why he wanted to write it was in response to that John Wayne movie you mentioned, The Green Berets, uh-huh. which is full of shit <laughs> and, and one and of the worst movies ever made. A, a terrible, a terrible, fucking... yeah, a terrible movie that pretends that Vietnam is World War Two. Yeah, boy. It does. And, and Oliver Stone saw it and was like, "Oh wow, this gets certain things wrong." So he, yeah. so he wrote the like script. All of it, like pretty like much all, all of it. it. Yeah, like so he wrote the script for Platoon. And of course, uh, Oliver Stone in making Platoon, he became the first Vietnam veteran to direct a Hollywood movie about the Vietnam War. There you go. Um, and he was also the first Vietnam veteran to win the Best Director Oscar. Okay. Uh, so he is the first. He's the first Vietnam veteran to do everything. Was there another Vietnam veteran who said, "Yeah, but I, I just made Spanky's Pleasure Palace, and you know what? It's all just a popularity contest in Hollywood." <laughs> exactly. There's some. Uh, now I have something else to be embittered about, as if Vietnam wasn't enough. Now I've been passed over by the Academy. Hey, Steve. Yes. Did we make a big deal about the first Korean War veteran? That, that got nominated for anything of, of I, any I, kind? I don't think we did. Did we do that for any of the World War II vets? No, oh, this no. This is the first do, World War II veteran that do ever... You, do you know why? Do you know why we didn't do that, though? Why? Because we didn't feel guilty. <laughs> oh, we feel so guilty about Vietnam and how the vets were treated when they came back. We feel so bad. <laughs> Yeah, we felt bad. We're but sorry. No did anything about it. We gave Not Oliver, anybody. We gave Oliver Stone a direct a best director Oscar, so it's okay. Oh, that made up for everything. That made up for okay. everything. We're Slate like clean. Like what more do you want? <laughs> God. The war was almost twenty years ago. It's, Jeez, yeah, get, get over, over it. it. God, get a job. That's because we rounded up some of the poorest people in the country to go fight a war that was unpopular. And yeah. Then didn't treat their PTSD when they came back. All I hear, and all I hear, we from all you. collectively forgot about it. All I hear from you guys is complaining. You know, oh, all my buddies mm-hmm. died for nothing. Oh, I can still feel my leg. Oh, it's like, come on, you know. Whatever. Put some. Put some grease on those Can't wheelchair you just wheels go and get back, back to, to work. being invisible, so the rest of us boomers can do coke and really get into ourselves in the exactly. 70s? Exactly. You know, you're always talking about your problems. What about us? What about our comfort? Right. What about what we you want? Know the economy is bad all of a sudden. Yeah. You know how expensive gas is. I'm sorry you had to fight that war, but do you know how expensive gas is? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. Sorry to bother you. It's all right. And no, I will not install a wheelchair ramp <laughs> i don't have Jesus. to and i'm not going to get make me do it until 1991 but, jesus christ yeah and even then i'll complain anyway about we're it. not angry about certain things are we Steve? Uh, not at all i don't see what we have to be angry about 
And anyway, that's all. That's all my trivia. So sure, yeah, sure. So and we never went back to exploiting Vietnam, Vietnam for for uh, dramatic beats in popular culture ever again. And thank God for that, right? Except for maybe Forrest Gump. Can but you? That was it. That was the only time. Oh, and Rambo. Well, Rambo, yeah, and missing missing in action. Sure. There was that whole. But other than that, there was that whole subgenre of movies in the eighties that was like, what if we sent one badass white guy back over there and he just single-handedly won the war yeah there we go okay and we never had the tropes of the fucked up vietnam vet on tv or in movies or nothing oh can you can you imagine how insensitive that would have been now steve doesn't know this do you know that i collected gi joe action figures in the early 80s right i think you mentioned it yeah yeah larry hama is the one that wrote all the The comics file cards well yeah 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 he wrote like the backstories for the for the characters and stuff yeah all of them without an exception were a vietnam war veteran yeah every single one of them and none of them were fucked up but then they were in a fictional paramilitary military organization super secret military organization so i he wasn't exactly spoiled for choice as far as their military backgrounds were concerned but i always thought it was interesting that here while other people were too busy painting vietnam veterans as victims there was another group of people who wanted to depict them as heroes right right and when they got to screen even rambo rambo the the, the first blood movie he's fucked up he's very fucked up right? yeah he's very fucked up he didn't come around and start feeling better about himself until we started deploying him into countries and winning the wars that we actually lost. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and even then, I mean, even then, like Rambo is still really fucked up. It's just the movies just don't want you to notice that. Yeah. No, no, no. He's, he's fucked up, but don't, he's killing guys that he's, are all bad. He's killing bad guys. So just let him be. Mm-hmm. He's happy. He's happy now. <sighs> Any more trivia? That's it. That's all I got. Yay. Now it's my turn for the who mades it. You ready? Let's do it. Okay. It was directed by Oliver Stone. You know him. He's directed movies like Wall Street and The Doors and that conspiracy movie. Oh, the one named after I'm not going to say the... which one. You can pick. The, the, the one named after the president? <laughs> yes, JFK. Mm-hmm. The one that is so chock full of bullshit you can't punch. Ooh, how was that? How could? How did he not get sued? Back to the left. <laughs> I don't know how ballistics work. Back to the left. I, I honestly don't know what happens to a, hum, a human skull when it's hit from behind with a with. I don't understand physics. Back also, into the left. Also, I have no qualifications for any of the things I'm saying. <laughs> I'm literally just a guy. Oh, and there's some icky stuff about gay people in this one, but it won't be the first time. Anyway. <laughs> Also written by Oliver Stone, as he's written scripts for Mid- uh, Midnight Express, Conan the Barbarian, the Barbarian, and also Scarface. And one of my favorites, Natural Born Killers. Oh, and Natural Born. I've never seen it. Oh, I love that movie. Really? It's deeply fucked up. Yes, I love that movie. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Actually, no, no, he di- no, he directed it. Tarantino wrote it. Yeah. I got it backwards. He directed it. Tarantino wrote it, but it's a really good movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, great. Glad you liked it. Me too. Starring Charlie Sheen as Chris Taylor and he was in Wall Street and you know him he was on that long running TV show Two and a Half Men uh-huh. and for his very public mental breakdown yeah that everybody laughed at remember how fun that no was no one said 
maybe we he needs help. Maybe we should help him. Instead, he just, ah, <laughs> tiger blood. That's so funny. And no one's going, can someone please help this man before he destroys more lives and his own life? Is anyone going to intervene? Is anyone? Nope. Okay. What is the thing with that? When guys, I mean, when you know, guys go crazy. You know what they needed? Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe needed to step up and say to one of these talk show hosts that interviewed Charlie Sheen, why didn't you do yeah. something? <laughs> We're just as guilty. We've made fun of Nick Nolte like crazy. Yeah, we have. And Nick Nolte needs help. Yes. In every interview, he continues to make movies. He's still acting. Yeah. Maybe he's, you know what it is? He hasn't, Nick Nolte has just been weird. He hasn't actively destroyed someone else's life. Right. Yeah, exactly. He seems like whatever his deal is, it seems like he has it under control. He's just super weird. And unless I know any better, neither is Gary Busey. And Gary Busey has an out because his head came apart right he had, in the 1980s. He has a brain and he's injury. he's the result of putting it back together again. Yeah, he has a very serious brain injury. So anything yes, anything Gary Busey does is you you can only really hold him about half responsible for it. And again, unless I unless I have not been informed, he hasn't been actively destroying other people's lives. Yeah, yeah. Right? As far as I know. So, hmm. Also, Tom Berenger is Sergeant Barnes. And he was in Major League and The Big Chill and Training Day. Willem Dafoe as Sergeant Elias. I don't need to say anything, do I, Steve? I sure hope not. I would hope everybody listening to our show knows who Willem Dafoe is. Everyone knows as, knows Willem Dafoe as the man who's never been cast as the Joker for <laughs> some weird reason. Why? No one has knocked on his door, gave him a sack full of money, and said, Hi, Willem, please play the Joker once. <laughs> How much do you want? want to play the joker i bet we have enough <laughs> and then willem De- and willem defoe just he just kind of looks looks at them in the eyes for a second and then says i knew this day would come <laughs> and he goes and picks goes and puts on a purple suit and yes. just walks, gets in the limousine <laughs> a wardrobe he already has that's been st- that's been hanging by the door for all these years it's handing him a script and he goes, i don't need it <laughs> i'm ready let's go <laughs> He could play the Joker as the Joker that never laughs. Oh yeah. He could just play he could just play the Joker and just give up, you know, he doesn't tell a joke, he doesn't laugh, he barely smiles except maybe like at the very end. But I mean, why had I don't okay, I don't I yeah. don't understand. I don't either anymore. It is like there are so many people who could play the Joker, but they're always making these right angle turns to find yeah, out it's like, well, who's more offbeat to play the Joker? Yeah, like just cast Defoe. If Defoe's not available, ca- cast Michael McKeon. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover would be perfect for it too. Yeah, they should start like a group of actors who who have never played the Joker and everybody's like, seriously, you ne- never, <laughs> are you sure you're not dressed like him now? Yeah. Oh, wait, I, I with, see you with Crispin Glover. That would totally be, a, you're not <laughs> wait. Okay. So hang on a second. You're not shooting a Batman movie right now. <laughs> That's just how you got dressed today? Wow. Okay, cool, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> Keith David as King. You know him. He was in The Thing. And they yeah. live. And the Riddick films. And he's the voice of baseball. Yes. He's, you know, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's he, great. He, he and narr- also jazz. Yeah, narrates a, a lot of Ken Burns stuff now, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does voiceover work. Yeah. For little baby Forrest Whitaker. Oh, 
Big Harold, and you know him from Black Panther and Crying Game and Battlefield Earth. I'm not mentioning what he won an Academy <laughs> Award for. He didn't win for Battlefield Earth? No, he should have. Shouldn't he have? <laughs> he, should. he put zero effort in. He got up, they put him in the costume, he walked on, he said his lines, he laughed, he cried a long time in his car. <laughs> He prompted John Travolta to say even dumber lines. Like, that was a job. That was a very big job. Francesco Quinn as Ra. And he's the son of Anthony Quinn. So how do you think he got this job? I don't know. I don't know. Kevin Dillon is Bunny. And you know him from Entourage and The Doors. And he usually plays a dick, just like his brother. <laughs> Marshall Matt Dillon. John, no, you know who his brother is. Yeah, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Yeah, but Marshall Matt. Marshall. He's not Marshall. It's not, it's, it's not the same guy from Gunsmoke. They're not even from Texas. <laughs> John C. McGinley as Sergeant O'Neill, and you know him from Scrubs and Office Space, yeah. and he was in The Rock, and he's now known as a comedic actor, and I thought he was hilarious in this movie, especially the end. Oh, what a crack up. What a crack up. <laughs> oh, you mean the kiss ass has to stay? Yay. <laughs> Reggie Johnson as Junior? Nothing. Mark Moses as Lieutenant Wolf? Mad Men. You'll, you'll know, recognize him from Mad Men. Hey, guess what series I never watched mad men. mad men i've never watched it either mm-hmm. Corey glover is francis and he's the was known as the lead singer for living color johnny Depp trying hard not to look like a movie star <laughs> as learner do i honestly do i have to say what else johnny depp has been in he's been in some films well not so Pick much recently <laughs> Pinkerton Burt movies in it. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to work anymore. What are you talking about? I, w- I would hope he hasn't spent all of it on drugs and scarves. No, just on divorce lawyers. Just on divorce lawyers. <laughs> and perhaps soon, lawyer lawyers. Lawyer lawyers, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, Chris Pedersen as Crawford nothing Richard Edison as Sal he was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off as one of the guys that took the car on a joyride Tony Todd yeah good old Tony Todd as Warren and you know him from Star Trek and the Candyman franchise and the Final Destination franchise he's got a great voice and he played Ben Sisko all grown up and he made the entire world cry yeah that's right (laughs) and then Ciroc Lofton had to come back to work the next day and be like I gotta now I have to play this character again I gotta be this guy I'm I'm 14 I gotta be supposed to I gotta be okay you got fucking Tony Todd to play Jake for one episode and now I gotta (laughs) come back and play him okay fine great thanks thanks a lot whatever don't whatever you do don't show him don't show him do not show him the episode hey guys what are you editing nothing <laughs> nothing. nothing an unrelated show an unre- is that t- tony todd no no go we'll go back go to go to catering <laughs> I wanted to ask you what happened in the middle part of that that, that of that episode we filmed where I was at the beginning and at the end and nothing. then I wasn't in the middle. It seemed like something really important happened. No, nothing. It sucks. It's a dumb episode. Nobody All I know is that Avery was acting his fucking heart out at the end of it yeah, when no. he was grabbing me. It's just a dumb episode. Nobody will even remember it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to the commissary. <laughs>
And Dale Dye as Captain Harris. And Dale Dye needs to be singled out because if there's a movie with army shit in it, more than likely he's in it. And the reason he's in it is because he's a... A veteran. A veteran, number one, of the Vietnam War. That's right. number two, a consultant. Yes. A lot of people go to him to consult with him about military stuff in military movies. And he winds and they go, well, he can act, so we'll just put him in. Yeah. He's not a bad looking guy. The Arlie Ermy career track. Yeah, kind of. Um, except he really didn't break out of because um, yeah no no Ernie really did Ernie became an roles. actor yeah Ernie became like yeah, an actor yeah he became yeah. an actor yeah thank God <laughs> no he was so great though oh he was wonderful he was a wonderful actor yeah okay so cinematography by Robert Richardson and he did JFK and The Aviator and Hugo edited by Claire Simpson and she apparently got yelled at a lot (laughs) (laughs) and suggested a really great piece of music and suggested the movie but uh, recently she edited The House of Gucci The Reader and Wall Street Hmm. music by George De La Rue and the only reason he's in here as music is because he composed the piece of music that gets played over and over in this movie and is so heavily identified with the film. But he also composed music for 350 other films. A lot of them for him. Not good. I don't know if they're good or not. I'm not going to sit down and watch every one of them. <sighs> Production company, Hemdale. Hemdale Film Corporation distributed by Orion Pictures. Release date, December 19th, 1986. So you've just opened up all your presents and you got a tie from your wife. You got some hand-drawn pictures from your kids because they don't have money. Don't expect things from your children other than something that's handmade. You got an ashtray you don't smoke but your kid made it and it says i love you daddy and you say oh great and you have to stick it on a side table for years until they move out and then one day out of the blue they say hey whatever happened to that ashtray you don't want to tell them you threw it the fuck away because it didn't mean anything to you and now you're fucking panicking and you're like oh it's probably up in the attic someplace and you're searching and you're searching and you're searching and to distract them you go hey who wants to remember christmas and you put on this movie yeah because you made the mistake of going at Christmas time 20 years prior. And then your kid forgets all about that ashtray that you smashed to pieces the day they left for college. It wasn't even that. There was no emotion behind it. You just dropped it in the trash. You're like, okay, <laughs> like won't be needing this. Boop. <sighs> Running time, 120 minutes. Budget, $6 million. Adjusted for inflation, $15.7 million. Box office, $138 million. Adjusted for inflation, $362 million. Hey, remember the days back when you could make a drama and it would make a significant amount of money, Steve? Uh, yeah, it, it hasn't been like that for a while, has it? And that would provoke other studios to make dramas, too, and risk spending money on something. Yeah. that you know they might make something good. That's something about this movie that I think we forgot forget nowadays is that it was a huge hit Everybody and like saw it. not not just like a hit for this kind of movie it was like the number two or three top grossing movie of the year in the united states yep. like it was a massive hit well it was a capital i important movie yeah based on a subject matter that hadn't really been addressed right right and it wasn't going to be one of them feel good everything's great movies right <laughs> no it definitely was, not it was gonna be one of those oh jesus this is awful it's the kind of movie that i kind of wish would be made about World War II. Yeah. We got kind of got close when they depict the Pacific Theater Wars. Those get treated a lot differently than the European Theater Wars. 
hours, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, at least up around this time they do, right? Yeah. Saving Private Ryan got close, but then they missed the mark. Yeah, they couldn't. Yeah, well, they um, couldn't help but you know glorify it ultimately. But the Pacific yeah. was a hellhole. It was a goddamn meat grinder. It was a nightmare, and we don't see too many movies about it, do we, Steve? No, but there are a couple of really great Twilight Zones. <laughs> oh, great. There are. <laughs> Okay, can we talk about those? those (laughs) Would you rather... Yeah, you want to talk about A Quality of Mercy, which stars a young Dean Stockwell? No, it's okay. Okay, maybe later. I don't like thinking of Dean Stockwell young. (laughs) It's not right. Um, It's not right. It's not right. Okay, Steve, you ready? You got your kit? (laughs) Yes. I think I might be carrying too much. I think you're carrying... You don't need all these fucking comic books. Oh, but I need to read something in the bush. Whatever you're doing. You know what? Just read your own mind. Okay. You don't need this. What the hell? Is this the I was complete okay. guide to depressing authors? You don't need this either. I, you, okay, okay, all right. You don't need that. Take your boots off. I, I, take, I, take them off. You don't need your boots. I'm not take gonna need my socks. boots. I don't need no, my socks in the jungle. Too. I don't, don't need, need my that. bullets. Why are you carrying bullets? I thought Give me we, those bullets. We God might need it. to shoot need somebody. That. Okay. No, shoot somebody. What do you think this is? War? Just take everything off. Go into the bush naked. Oh, okay. You know better okay. than me, I guess. As we run screaming naked into the jungles of Vietnam <laughs> in the world of Platoon. Steve? Yeah. As I mentioned to you before, I watched this twice and I'm gonna mix up the plot. So I'm gonna cling to you like a barnacle clings to an anchor that has been left at the bottom of the sea too long. Okay. Please take it away. Well, Charlie Sheen said, my dad made a Vietnam movie and I'm gonna make one too. <laughs> my dad said, well, that's something you want to emulate. Remember when my dad got... got drunk out of his mind and punched a mirror and had to have stitches and then had a heart attack. I want to do that too. Guess what, dad? I'm going to make a Vietnam movie. (laughs) Um, Martin Sheen says, is this Emilio? No, it's Charlie. Okay, whatever. Yeah, sure. Fine. (laughs) Wake me when Emilio wants to do something dangerous. Click. (laughs) So I can say definitely, definitely do it. Um, No, so uh, Charlie plays Chris, the lead character, and we meet him as he is being flown into Vietnam on the helicopter. He's on the chopper. He's uh, being uh, dropped in. in He's being delivered in country. That's right. Um, And we learn that it is uh, Da Nang in South Vietnam, and it is September 1967 through a little on-screen title. Right. Um, And we hear, for not the last time, uh, Chris's voiceover. He's writing Mm -hmm. a letter home to his grandma. Dear grandma. Dear grandma, everything sucks. This isn't going to be fun. Why did I do this? I'm stupid. Uh, Please let me come back to college. Please let me come home. Uh, And, you know, he he gets off the chopper and he's walking through uh, the base and uh, there's the uh, the guys who have been there for a while and sure. are kind of eyeballing the new guys that have You've showed seen up. the body bags. There's body bags, yeah. And there's this one and guy. And Danny LaRusso is in every one of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they finally got him, a body bag. In fact, the guy is standing there in his little gi, pointing at it. I told you, LaRusso. Very funny. That's what you get for traveling back in time to Vietnam. (laughs) Your karate didn't help you, did it? 
Um, anyway. Anyway, so, and there's this one particular soldier who is on his way back, you know, to the chopper who has like a really haunted look and they kind of meet eyes as, as Chris is, is walking in and the other guy is walking out and it's kind mm-hmm. of like a, like a, a portent of what is to come. He's sure. You know, the only thing he lacked was a sign around his neck that said, I'm your future. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> Enjoy beautiful Vietnam. Mm, Vietnam is beautiful. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And in fact, I think not long out not well and and, and not long after this i think the very next scene when we cut from the arrival and then we cut to the the next scene is of them actually out in the bush um Mm. and the first thing we see before we cut to them actually in the woods is an an overhead shot and you can see how absolutely gorgeous the country is it's just the most beautiful bright verdant green you've ever seen and then it Mm -hmm. cuts it cuts to under the trees and it's hell (laughs) i mean it's just this everybody is is hot and exhausted and they're marching through the bush yeah pleasant yeah yeah anyway so he goes out and, and what happens he meets all the guys he meets all the guys and they go it's fresh meat and they're like oh yeah. fuck another rookie that we have to watch get his face blown off again no one wants to get to know him because they know you know until you've been there for a little while you know they want to be comfortable with you dying right away i guess <laughs> right they don't want to get too attached yeah yeah exactly i really lost i don't know they go. Well, they 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 go out on patrol. And, oh, that's right. They do go out on patrol. And and they're out yeah. in they're in the jungle. And Chris uh, is gets He's hiking with a guy named Dead Meat. I mean Gardner. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. And it's like the most like the movie largely avoids these kind of cliches. But this guy For is the like most part, yeah. this guy is like the biggest walking cliche you've ever like. He 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 signs his own death warrant when he stops and he shows Chris a picture of his girl back home. And you're like, oh, you are fucking dead man why did you do that why did you do that why did you do that and my girl i love her she's married so she's the one for me pregnant yeah and it's like oh dude what are you doing she just won the lottery she's waiting in her mansion when i get home damn it man Gardner. I've been guaranteed a job on top of the lottery. I'm going to be the guy who gets to uh, look at cars as they come out of the showroom. I didn't know it was a job, but they're paying me $5 million a year to do it. My life is set. My life is set. My wife just told me that I can sleep with anybody I want to. She's going to be totally dedicated to me. Look, here's a string of girls just waiting for me. Look, they wrote their names on their bellies. Isn't that great? Boy, oh boy, I can't wait till I get back from Vietnam. <laughs> He's dead. He's well, they run dead. into a body. They run into a body. Yeah, of of a of a yeah. Viet Cong. Yeah, and Chris is having some problem because he's he's dead. Number one, he's overpacked. Yeah, right. Yeah, and they see a body. Guy's dead, and we meet Barnes. Sergeant and, yeah. Barnes. And Barnes is very yeah. sort of like, well, don't be afraid. He ain't gonna bite you. Mm-hmm. This ain't no zombie movie. Yeah, exactly. Or is it? Maybe it is. <laughs> Better shoot him in the <laughs> head way. just in case. But. Uh, Chris starts to retch. Yeah. And uh, then he gets some ants on his neck. Hate that. Yeah, it's not fun. And uh, and that's when we meet Sergeant Elias, played by Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And he's like, well, you're overpacked. And so he starts he starts pulling stuff out of his pack. And he's just like, give it to the jungle, boy. Give everything to the jungle. What's this? <laughs> Why did you bring barbells with you? Well, I thought it worked out. You know, you fucking idiot. But he starts throwing stuff around. These are 30-pound weights. <laughs> and Andrew, it's my lucky anvil. I, 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 I'm afraid I'm going to get shot if I don't have my lucky anvil. Thought I might have I a chance to do, thought I might have a chance to do some smithing while I was out here. I, I didn't filled know. my shoes with lead. Why <laughs> did you do that? Yeah. I don't okay. Want, I don't want to get jungle rot. <laughs> 
Should I take off my cast iron chastity belt? My grandma's really concerned that I'm going to pick up a venereal disease. And so then they go back to camp, right? They right. go patrol. Does anything else happen? Well, no. Uh, not this time. No, no. Oh, wait. Yeah, something does happen. Is it this time? I think it's this time. They come across a hole, right? And uh, Elias has to go into the hole. He's a tunnel rat. Oh, that's you right. Guys yeah. don't know what a, you guys don't know what a tunnel rat is. A tunnel rat is specifically during Vietnam. They would build tunnels under the ground and their little bases under the ground so that they wouldn't be seen up at top and people could walk right by them. Um, so they would usually designate someone who was trained to fight in the tunnels because they were usually close quarter. You didn't get to walk upright. These weren't nice tunnels made out of brick. These were just basically holes dug yeah. in the ground. Um, he goes in there, looks around, shoots a guy, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, up above, a couple of guys have come across what looks like uh, like a little base, right? Yeah. That's been abandoned. Like a hut kind of place, yeah, yeah. And someone should have said, it's a trap! Because they don't put those things above ground, but they go in there anyway, and they're like, look, maps and shit, we've got all this intel. And no one's like, it's a trap! <laughs> But he doesn't listen, and he picks up the box to take it back, and it goes boom, boom, and a guy comes out, and he's getting his arms blown off, and he's dead. He dies. Oh, no. You know what? This happens that, that, that later. Ha that but, happens later, but yeah. It's... It happens later, but whatever. We'll, we'll just pretend like we didn't do this part. <laughs> anyway, they go back to camp. Uh, we, meet a couple of, we meet a couple of the other sergeants. We meet O'Neill, who is John sure. McGinley's guy, and we meet yeah. the, the lieutenant, the uh, Wolf, yeah, who is seems kind of in over his head and you know lets yeah uh, right lets, after this he yeah he travels through time and becomes the uh lieutenant of a bunch of space marines going to lg-94 in order <laughs> to check out a missing colony um anyway yeah. uh he uh, what is it? He is not getting any respect. People aren't listening. Most people are listening to Barnes. Right. When he's like giving out assignments and you're going to go out and you're going to patrol this way, you're going to patrol that way. Um, Chris runs into King, who has stolen some beer. And that's when, uh, what's his name? O'Neill sees O'Neill. And yeah. says, oh, you guys are in trouble. And he makes them clear out the buckets from the thing. The, from the, like the latrine, yeah. From the yeah. latrines. And they're talking. <clears throat> and that's when we find out that Chris is a moron. Yeah, he like wasn't. A, a he wasn't straight, drafted. He wasn't drafted. He was. He, was, he volunteered. He, he quit college. Yeah, to fight in and, Vietnam. Mm -hmm, and King thinks he's an idiot. And he's that right. He, that <laughs> he's a crusader. That you know, he basically says something that was absolutely true. Only poor people wound up fighting in Vietnam, which yeah. is true. Yeah, and, rich, then, and you didn't fight. Chris says that, and then King has a great rejoinder, which is, "You have to be rich in the first place to think that." You yep. know, sort of like yep. Chris. Chris is trying to do what he thinks is the right thing but the fact that he is even doing it is like a mark of how privileged that and out of touch he is with not to diminish the people who were in positions and they did go and serve oh of course yeah, they were they were rich from rich families we have of course some that went on and became respected political leaders who did come from rich upper middle class rich families and said no i'll, I'll go sir right sure um john Kerry, mccain john Kerry, and mccain yeah two guys who you know, when it came to military stuff, I would listen to because they fucking served. Some, one of them paid dearly for his service.
service. Absolutely. And, you know, so I don't share the same feelings as King when he says that you're an idiot, but I wouldn't have done it myself, I don't think. I don't think I would have quit college to go to Vietnam. No. Because, <laughs> cause, yeah, because Chris is kind of like, well, it didn't seem fair. And he's absolutely right, because it wasn't. Because <laughs> it wasn't fair. And I'm glad that was addressed in the film. I really am. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then he invites him over to their tent where they all get high. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of phallic Im- imagery. Who cares? <laughs> he takes a hit from a, a gun bong. Yeah, from a gun. It's not a bong. There's no. It's water a gun. Involved. It's literally. A, it's literally a gun. But it's yeah, just a gun. It's like a gun pipe. Maybe it's more of a gun pipe. We cut over to the other tent where Barnes and his his group of psychopaths live and uh, the LT comes and visits briefly and then he's like okay I'm a square I'm gonna leave bye bye and cause they're what playing poker and yeah. they're not doing the drugs and they're <laughs> listening to respectable country western music that's right whereas in the hippie tent all of those reefer addicts are getting stoned and listening to you know Jefferson um, Airplane yeah so we know that they're all wacky hippie people that eat the ganja <laughs> <laughs> and they probably fuck each other. Yeah, that's right. Then we cut to the scene where they go through the thing and the thing explodes. Yes, right? yes. And that seems to affect Sergeant Barnes for some reason. He seems upset, right? Yeah. But then they say, hey, we found it. So a guy had gone missing, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, man. And they get, or- they get orders. There's like, hey, Manny's missing. But they get orders. Hey, we're getting over to the village that they think they suspect that there is enemy stuff there. And we're going to go there. And he's like, okay. And so when then they find Manny and what happened with Manny? Did they take him out, take him out for a nice ice cream social? And he's back and he's like, ice cream, guys. Guys, ice cream, right? Ice well, cream, they... Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> ice cream, Lieutenant Dan. Ice cream, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> They they did that. You have that right, except for a couple of Are details. You starting to understand why that scene <laughs> makes me so fucking angry. Uh, yes. Yes. Imagine if imagine if the entire sequence from Forrest Gump had been this movie, right? Except with Forrest there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then he's like, don't you want your ice cream? Ice cream, Lieutenant Dan. Nothing affects me. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I don't have a soul. My very good best friend died in my arms yesterday, but today, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> So what happened to Manny? Oh well, well, I mean, you're almost right. Uh, but in, 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 <laughs> almost in, right. In, instead of taking him out for ice cream, uh, they killed him and tied him to a tree. They cut his throat. Yeah. So, but other than that, I think you you were accurate. Yeah. Um, and now the platoon's anger is up. They're very angry, and they're going to the village to take revenge. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple of things in here that I wish they. I I kind of wish the voiceover was not present in the movie. Me. Too. Because it really wasn't telling us anything that we couldn't figure out based just on the performances yes. and the visuals. We did not need things spelled out. But but at this point, Charlie Sheen has to come in and Grandma, boy, oh boy, were we angry when we saw that. He, he's literally writing this to his grandma. He was strung yeah. up and his throat was dry. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're so angry. He was our Ahab now. I'm using my, my high school English class as that's coming in handy now, boy because we're all angry and we're going to kill some. I hope all of it, everything that happens in this village, I hope he includes.
included in the letter. Because yeah, I'm just picturing his grandmother with a shaky hand, re- stopping as she's reading it out loud over the fire to her to her husband. Yeah, yeah you and, know what? No, I can skip the rest. Then Never I mind. started screaming, "Get, get out, Gook! Get out! Get out!" <laughs> I think little Chris committed some atrocities over there. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa's asleep. Wake up! And he's like, "Good Germans." <laughs> I know when I read these to you, you cry, but you don't tell me why. He, he rolls over, falls asleep, takes the skull that he brought back from World War II, <laughs> pulls it clo- pulls it closer to his chest. <laughs> I've given you a good life, haven't I? That's my boy. That's my boy. Anyway, so they go into the town and bad things happen. The end. Oh, boy. Bad things sure do happen at the town. Yeah. Do we really? We don't need to go into. Uh, just really bad things happen. and Really and, bad things happen. And then a we really. We find out that Bunny is a fucking psychopath. Oh, my God. He's not a good person. He's not a good person at all. To the point in which O'Neill is kind of like, hey, we could just leave. We could just go. Hey, how about we go? There's, How about we go? Yeah. I heard there's a movie playing. Let's leave. Hey, yeah, buddy, let's go. There, there's a scene where it's the scene where where Chris Chris loses it, and then mm-hmm. and then Bunny comes in and goes even more over the top. So so much so that it brings Chris back, and he's like, "Oh shit, really? I mean, is that oh, what wait, I is, is that I? is that what I'm is that what I'm acting like? Oh fuck." <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, "Hey, how about how about we all leave?" But no, that then yeah, he does a bad he does a bad thing, and you hate him. Yes, you kind of hate everybody at this point. You're They're kinda, all yeah, kind of like they've all gone completely over the line. Yeah, their blood is um, but I mean, they're kind of over the line, especially Barnes. Right? Oh my God, yes. And finally, there's a point where they bring in a guy who has scars that look like that he'd been in battle, and he doesn't believe anything the guy has to say, and he's not listening. And then and then he and then he shoots a woman. Yeah. And of course the villagers all freak the fuck out. Yeah. And then Barnes said, Hold my beer, me. I'm going to top myself. <laughs> if you thought that was bad. He grabs the little girl and he tells the guy, You're gonna tell me what's going on, where'd all these guns come from, what is all this rife for, or I'm gonna kill her. And then Elias shows up. And Elias is not like Barnes, is he? No, Elias is the good sergeant. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. And he's like, nothing. Leave me alone. This is my business, not your business. And he's like, here's my business. And they get in a fight. Yeah. And then the no good lieutenant breaks them up. And he's not going to fucking report this, is he? No, no. It doesn't he, seem like he's going to report no, it. No, he, he breaks them up. And uh, that's when Elias says to him, Lieutenant, why the fuck didn't you do something? Right. And the lieutenant yeah. says, and the lieutenant says, I didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Like, do something about says, what? The captain wants us to burn the village down and destroy all the weapons and that's what they do and they take every all the adults hostage and they just lead everybody out oh yeah and johnny depp was the interpreter yeah yeah he's like the interpreter for the for the group yeah he speaks vietnamese yeah and they all leave and back at the base it's like nothing's gonna happen to barnes they try to tell the captain and it doesn't look like and it was painted in a way that it doesn't look like anybody's gonna get court-martialed no, no. one's going to go on trial for war crimes no one's just gonna walk up to barnes and start stabbing him in the face it looks like someone already did that because if we didn't mention barnes He's, has scars his scars all over his yeah. face yeah yeah gee wonder how he got those he seems like such a great guy who'd want to attack barnes <laughs> 
But Barnes has been in Vietnam for how long? Three uh, years. Three. He and Elias have both been there for three both years, been I there think. For yeah. Three years. And of course, Barnes's side of the platoon thinks that uh, Elias thinks he's like Jesus. Right. And everyone on Elias' side of the platoon correctly assumes that Barnes and his group are a bunch of psychopaths. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. yeah. We also forgot that some of the soldiers are trying to rape underage girls. Yeah. And, and Chris interrupts them and like stops them from yeah, doing it. Yeah. yeah. What happens after that, Steve? Um, then there's the. I think after that is that the uh, Chris and uh, Elias have that scene under the stars where. Oh yeah. Elias tells him that he doesn't really believe in the war anymore. Like he believed in it nope. when he first got he did there, when but he first got there, yeah. yeah. And, and that he, he likes the night sky. It's beautiful, right? Yeah. And that they go on another patrol, and then there is a battle. Something, a whole lot of battle stuff, flanking, and we walked into a trap, and you know, um, you're gonna go that way and you're gonna take three men and you're gonna take two men and people are getting shot right yeah tony todd gets shot yeah i think so and then elias is gonna go i'm gonna take three men and we're gonna go that way i'm gonna go to the river and then they're getting overrun there's too many of them and they gotta call they gotta call in the helicopters because we gotta get out of there and and then barnes says i'll go get elias and someone should have said no you're gonna go get this bullet shoot him right in the head <laughs> yeah no one should have trusted that ever no. No. And Elias is sneaking around and Barnes is sneaking around and then they see each other and they hug and they forgive each other. And they're and they best friends. Brothers forever. <laughs> and then they fight their way out. They win the Vietnam War together. Just the two of them. The end. Goodbye. Yeah. And Rambo sees Steve, them and says. A, B, or C. <laughs> Rambo sees them and says, if only I was a tough guy like those guys. <laughs> That's right. They pick up a little boy and say, we're fighting this war, this war for you, little boy. And then they just they leave. What happens, Steve? Uh, so Barnes finds Elias. Yes. And he shoots him three times. And he falls down. And he falls down. And then Chris comes up and he's like, hey, where's Elias? And Barnes like, what? Huh? Who's that? Who's who's Elias? You mean my best friend, Elias, who I had no problems with at all? <laughs> he's dead. Boo-hoo, boo-hooo. Quick, go to the chopper. Every, just go. Every, we got to go to the chopper. And they all run. And a bunch of them are injured. And they get on the chopper and they're flying away. But uh-oh. Elias Chris, is still alive. Elias is running from the entire country of Vietnam apparently yeah they chasing him and he's getting shot and then there's the scene that's on the poster where he raises his arms into the air and his squibs did go off right but they and, used it anyway but they kept the scene they kept it anyway and he falls down and everyone's like whoa and and Chris is like oh Barnes Light killed him they get back to camp and he's like Barnes Light killed him and I'm like what are you gonna do yeah exactly what are you gonna do? and he's like but something no, you don't get it yet, but you will or not. <laughs> we don't know. And That's, then there's, yeah. a, there's a big battle coming, right? Yeah. And everyone has to go to their foxholes and everyone's got to dig in because the, the bad guys are coming and everyone kind of breaks up and Chris and what's his name are in one. I can't remember. Is it Reggie? Is Junior. Is, Ju junior? is it Junior? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Junior and O'Neill is with somebody else. Or no, it's Francis. It's Francis. Is it with Francis? Yeah, it's okay. Francis. Yeah. And everyone's getting ready and oh boy, the tension's ratcheting up because, you know, who knows how many are coming and they're going to get overrun and the 
captain's a moron and everyone's stupid. Everybody's stupid. They should have just gotten their helicopters and left the whole country. We shouldn't have been there in the first place. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Yeah, but whatever. Everyone said, no, no, it's perfectly. There's no way they're going to be able to, to have, mount any kind of defense against the United States Army. Yeah. I mean, after all, we did so great the last time we fought in a tropical area. <laughs> we totally won. How many How many people did we go to? Shut up. Not, apparently not enough because we won. What is your problem? You mean the war that ended because we had to drop the most powerful weapon we had because the, uh, the idea of fighting through mainland Japan was a nightmare too bad to even contemplate like whatever whatever we did great shut up we did fine anyway um everyone go to your foxholes and then night there's night and then there's fight scenes and there's fight and it's bad oh yes everyone's shoot him they get out of the chart uh Chris gets out of his foxhole just in time before it gets bloated up, and uh, it gets bloated up, and then he goes crazy, and then Junior goes crazy, no, Francis goes crazy, <laughs> yeah. and they start running around like a couple of Rambos, screaming and killing people. Um, Bunny, Bunny gets shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> First he gets shot in the chest. Then he gets shot in the face. The guy who was with him, who was one of the rapist guys, he runs away so fast that he runs into a tree and knocks himself out, and he gets to be woken up to a bayonet in his stomach, right? Yeah. Um, O'Neill takes the guy that was in his his bunker and he covers his body with him. Yeah, so and I think we, we didn't mention killed. we didn't mention that before this O'Neill tried oh, yeah. he tried to get them to give him Elias's yeah, leave time. Yeah, because O'Neill has been in Barnes's camp for this entire time, and he's like, "Hey, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've you know I've shined your shoes, I've made you dinner. I was your pillow for like three weeks because you just said I had to be your pillow or whatever. So can I please get leave?" Because I don't feel good about this upcoming fight. And Barnes is like, fuck off. I don't care. You're going to do it. Whatever. And he's like, oh, okay. I guess I backed the wrong horse. Then. <laughs> and so during this, uh, everything goes to shit. They, the, the, the captain has to call in an airstrike. And he's basically calling it right down onto their position. Because right. they're, they're, they're overrun. They're, they're so overrun. Right. And um, so that's coming. And as the plane's coming down, getting ready to drop its napalm, uh, Barnes knocks over uh chris and he lifts up it's a it's a shovel isn't it yeah i think so yeah and barnes is gonna kill him barnes yeah. is gonna kill chris and then bombs go off the bombs fall yeah yeah and uh barnes is thrown off and the next morning there's pretty deers all over the just one really <laughs> but chris is alive he's not in great shape no none of them are in great alive. shape yeah there are dead people everywhere and one of them is not so dead and that is barnes and he's trying to crawl and uh chris turns him over and uh he's like go get a medic and chris is like I got a better idea but he doesn't say anything <laughs> and and what is what does Barnes say because he's picked up an AK-47 yeah and he's he's cocked it and he, it's aimed directly at Barnes and what does Barnes say do it and, and he does it immediately. Yeah. He's like, do yeah. it. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay. You say, hey, he told me to. Bang, bang, bang. To. And thankfully, I picked up an enemy's rifle so that if they bothered to find out if yeah. he'd been shot, you know, it's not going to not gonna it, show it, that it's, he came it, from It's my not going to look, yeah, it's not going to look suspicious. Yeah. 
Um, Junior survived. Yep. And immediately uh, took out his knife and stabs himself. In the <laughs> stabs himself. Yep. I'm getting out of this shit. Mm-hmm. O'Neill's alive, right? Yeah. But he's going to uh, have to stay. He thought he was going to be able to, yeah, to get so rotated out, but they tell him he has to stay. So. Barnes is dead, and they're going to have. He thought he was going to get rotated out, but he has to stay, and he looks understandably upset about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, the captain has had better days. <laughs> I don't remember what happened to the LT. Did he die? He died. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, Wolf died, yeah. I can't remember how he died. I can't remember either specifically, but yeah, he died. Anyway, he's dead. He was worthless anyway. Fuck him. Fuck him. Um, and uh, everyone's on stretchers, and somehow... <sighs> How did this happen? Francis says that he's going home, that somehow Chris is going home. Because he's been wounded twice. Oh, is that, was that the rule? I guess, I, I, I guess, I guess that's what they implied that if, since they've been wounded twice, they're going home. Yeah. Okay. Cool. They get him. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Everything's better. Um, <laughs> they get him onto the helicopter and he sees Ra there and he's still there and he's still alive. And he, he, you know, puts up his hand for Ra and then he salutes somebody. I don't know who it is. He kind of gives that this slight salute gesture to someone. We don't see who that person is. And they take off. And then we have a stupid, stupid voiceover telling yeah. us things that we could have figured out on our fucking own. Yeah. The end. The end. Steve? Yes, my friend. I think we did okay. I, I think, think we, we did, did too. okay. No, nothing, okay. N- nothing too offensive. No, 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 no. Not at all. No. Mo- mostly our anger about the Vietnam War. Yeah. Which I think is fine. Uh, yeah. It's right. Fine. Who's going who's gonna to begrudge us that? Exactly. So, Steve, yeah. how do you feel about this war classic? This Academy Award winner. Academy, one for me, Academy Award. <sighs> Platoon. I mean, it, you know, it, it could stand to be a little funnier. <laughs> I'm, no. um, it's, yeah, uh, it needed an extended pie fight. Need, like it needed a, yeah, exactly. Would it have killed him to write a couple of jokes? Uh, no, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's actually, it's... Um, it's been a while since I saw this movie, and I have to say, Me too. yeah, I I liked it less this time around than I remembered it. Really? Um, but that's not to say it's bad. Because no. it's definitely not. Uh, th- before I talk about the things that kind of brought it down for me, um, the movie has a lot going for it. Obviously, great performances, especially from Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger. Um, sure. Two of my favorite performances from either of them, actually. And uh, and in the case of Dafoe, that is definitely saying something because he's one of my favorite actors. And yeah. and this, mo- this movie is probably the reason why, even to this day, I prefer Dafoe as a good guy instead of a bad guy. Um He's bro- he's brilliant at playing villains, of course, but you see him in this or in Mississippi Burning or in the Florida Project, and you realize how brilliant he is at projecting. Presentation of Christ, he's less- a good guy in that. Yeah, yeah, but he's kind of conflicted. You know what I mean? He's kind of sure, but I mean, I mean yeah, he's, he's not. not playing a bad he's guy. not playing a villain. No, he's not playing a villain at all. But but like you you see how I would I would actually Elias is is more of a pure. He's so good in the Florida Project. I'm so. Oh, you mentioned that. yeah florida project is a wonderful movie and willem dafoe well, okay. is so goddamn good between in the it. two of us right now can we both recommend the florida project it's one of the best movies yes. that's been made in the last 20 years it's a fantastic movie it is a fantastic anyway, movie yeah um yeah. and especially if you are a dafoe fan he is so goddamn good in that um 
But yeah, you you realize how brilliant he is at projecting decency and righteousness. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, and it makes the other movies where he portrays these evil, unhinged psychotics even more impressive because he's because <laughs> he's so good at playing like just pure, good, decent characters. And and his character is the conscience of this movie. You know, there's for me, there's probably no more powerful moment in the entire movie than that moment when he arrives late after the massacre at the village. Yeah. And he says to the lieutenant, why didn't you do something? You know, like that's the conscience of the movie speaking, saying to the guy who was supposed to be in charge, why didn't you do something? Mm-hmm. And 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 if that and if we don't believe Defoe's performance, if we don't believe that Elias is that earnestly righteously indignant about it then that moment doesn't work but mm-hmm. it does work because you do because because elias is comes across as as such a, a genuine good guy um i also love the overall depiction of war in the movie um when he reviewed it back when it came out uh, roger ebert quoted francois truffaut and francois truffaut of course once famously said that there is no such thing as an anti-war movie because yep. because to even depict war is to glorify it and mm-hmm. uh, and Ebert believed that Platoon avoids that, and I and I agree with him. I don't think Platoon. I do too. I don't think Platoon glorifies war. I don't. I don't think it makes the Vietnam War look glorious or heroic or or anything other than ugly and dirty and pointless. Um, and I, there's that aerial shot that I mentioned at the beginning of our synopsis, you know, the, the beautiful, just breathtakingly beautiful treetops as they're flying over it. And then you cut to the jungle underneath it and it's hell. I mean, it's, they're all, it's just a bunch of scared grunts marching and sweating and they're filthy and they're terrified and they're exhausted. Um, and they're eating crap. And yeah. You know, yeah. It looks everything's like the, attacking them. It, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's snakes and bugs and it looks like the worst experience imaginable. And when battles break out, it's absolute chaos. There's there's no line. There's no order. It's fast. It's disorienting. Um, it's not like you would see, you know, in, a, in an old fashioned like a Civil War movie where it's two lines firing at each other. It's not even how we've typically seen World War Two battles depicted on screen no it's more like it's it's like they're animals being hunted you know it's like it's like their prey and or when when they are are going after the Viet Cong it's like they're the hunters and the Viet Cong are the prey that's how it feels it doesn't feel like a war it feels like they're you know they're 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 taking turns being hunters and prey and for the most part there are some meaningful exceptions to this but for the most part who lives and who dies feels just kind of random yep. um king gets to go home because he he's he's lucky enough to survive until his tour is over and he gets to leave sure. um uh, yeah. chris gets to leave because he gets wounded enough times that they rotate him out uh elias the good sergeant is killed but barnes the bad sergeant is also killed yeah you know um and it gives it gives you the impression that this that there's there's no rhyme or reason to this that this is all meaningless these yeah. men are in this country being ordered to kill and be killed for nothing and and when they go bad and commit atrocities nothing happens there's no consequences there's no order there's no justice uh the pointlessness is the point and this movie puts that across as good as any war movie i've ever seen yeah 
the the two big weaknesses for me in the film and the thing that the things that have have dropped it i mean just like a notch or two in my esteem it's not like i've i've i watched it i was like oh this is bad it's a brilliant film but the the things that drop it just a peg or two in my esteem after this viewing are uh charlie sheen and the voiceover that we've yeah. mentioned a few times. Uh, Charlie Sheen is capable of being a good actor. I've seen him sure. give good. I've seen him give good performances. Um, and it's not like he's awful in every scene in this movie because he's not. In fact, he's usually fine. And in a few scenes, he's even quite good. But when Chris has to show extreme emotion when he's angry and at the end of his rope, like during the scene in the village where he kind of snaps and he's like machine gunning the floor in front of the one legged guy, you know, Um, or later on when he's kind of, he's come to his senses, but then he sees them raping that girl and he intervenes there and he drags her away and he's like, she's a human being, man. And I just, I don't, I sympathize with him because he's, I don't buy it. I sympathize with his character because he's doing the right thing. And I even sympathize with his character when he's losing it and shooting that guy because it's like he's been pushed to the breaking point. He's doing a horrible, horrible thing. But yeah. I can see how he got there because he's just completely at the end of his rope. Um, mm-hmm. But but the performance doesn't feel real. The performance doesn't feel genuine. Um, and, yeah. and, and as a result, those, those, those big, important emotional beats don't hit, don't resonate with me like they should. Um, and that detracts from the film. And, but, but really the big thing is the voiceover. I think the voiceover detracts from it a lot. The voiceover I mean, treats us like idiots. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And like, that's the problem. I mean, cause je- overall, I think Stone's script is very good, Sure, but there are times and most of it happens with the voice. Occasionally it's with dialogue, but most of the time it's with voiceover where he just comes out and tells you what the movie's about or, or tells you what a scene is about without allowing you as the audience to get there on your own. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it, you know, and it, it, it kind of spoils the ending of the movie for me because like you said, he's, he's in the helicopter, he's being lifted out and we get that voiceover that just tells us in like the flattest most obvious language possible the movie yeah he even he literally he literally says you know sergeant barnes and sergeant elias were fighting over possession of my soul i'm like you don't why are you saying that why is that there we saw the movie we know you don't have to it makes it worse if you just say it (laughs) Um, so it really drags the ending down for me and that's a shame and so those, I think those are significant problems, but they're not significant enough for me not to recommend the movie. I mean, I, I, sure. at one at one point, I considered Platoon my favorite Vietnam War movie. I, I don't think I would say that anymore, but it is still an amazing movie. Yeah, because movie. Stanley I mean, had to make one, didn't he? Didn't he? <laughs> and, and he made half of a really goddamn great Vietnam movie. <laughs> no, I think he made a really good... No, Full Metal Jacket really is a... Full Metal Jacket is a really good movie, but it does I mean, the first half is better than the second half. Um, His but, whole point about that was it didn't, it just didn't get bad once you got to Vietnam. Oh, no, I, I yeah, it I agree. It starts bad. I agree. Um, but yeah, but I mean, Pl- Platoon is, is an excellent film. And as far as like Vietnam movies, if you're looking for a movie that presents a, a realistic and, and I would say probably fair depiction of what it was like to actually fight in the Vietnam War, this is probably the best one because as you said like um apocalypse now is very operatic and very sort of represent representational and it's yeah. not you shouldn't really look at it as i mean it's it's maybe it's like a portrait of what vietnam was like psychologically but not you know physically um yeah 
and uh, f- and Full Metal Jacket is great, but you know I don't know if the I, I'm not sure how representative of actual action in Vietnam that the Vietnam scenes uh, in sure. that movie are. Um, so Platoon, but Platoon feels authentic to the experience that combat soldiers in Vietnam probably would have had, um, and that's what I that's what I've read. Vietnam veterans who have watched the film have said the same thing that it's some, the the most like true to life of the mm-hmm. typical combat experience. Um, but so it's an excellent film. It's got some great performances, uh, mostly a great script, and it depicts war, war in general, and the Vietnam War in particular as the ugly, horrible thing that it deserves to be depicted as. So that's all I really have to say. A very high recommendation for me. So your turn. My turn. Um, It needed more John Wayne. Boy, boy, did it. Um, I agree with everything that you said and also with uh, um, some of the script problems, um, specifically about the voiceover. I really did not like the voiceover at all. He should have trusted his audience to get what was going to be. I think it's a writer's mistake. Yeah. Okay. It's a writer's mistake when you put something in into the script, in into dialogue, if you don't trust that the director or the filmmakers who are going to produce the script are going to be able to convey what it is you're trying to get across. But Here's the interesting part. He's directing the fucking thing. He didn't have to put it in. <laughs> right. As far as his authenticity, as far as the characters, it's, um, I agree. Sheen is the is the weakest actor of the bunch. He, there are key moments where he really needs to nail it, and he just doesn't feel like he's nailing it. It yeah. feels like he, I'm acting upset now, and you just don't kind of buy it. Yeah. But for the most part, the entire movie is great. I would have made one, if I was if I was making the movie, I would have had Barnes live. Ah, yeah. Just um, to twist the a, knife a little bit. Just, you know, to, to kind of make the point that you don't get to choose who who lives or who dies and i know that this was supposed to be a big beat for the chris character he's getting revenge he's he's killing barnes because barnes is quote unquote evil right i've heard people say that he is an evil character did you feel like Barnes is an evil character? No, no, I don't think he's evil. No, in fact, no. some of some of the way he is seems kind of reasonable. Some, not 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 a it. lot of it, but some of like there are there are moments where where he when he's being really angry and abusive to the the soldiers, but he's doing it because they have done something that has gotten somebody killed. Right. You know, and he's angry about that. I can understand that, but obviously he goes way way over yeah, the top. Yeah, he goes of it. way yeah. past what is what is considered decent. He's lost he's lost his perspective yeah. right and so in the end to have chris kill kill uh barnes at the end of the movie i think that that is supposed to be a closing beat because some of us wanted to see barnes die because he's done some pretty heinous fucking things yeah um but i don't think it was needed and it would have more of a punch if while he's getting on the helicopter the last thing he sees is barnes coming out of that jungle right yeah we don't you don't get to pick and choose who lives and who dies when it comes to combat the people who are gonna die are gonna be the people who are gonna die i'm sorry if you guys can hear that apparently my son is being either attacked by squirrels who are tickling to death or he saw a meme i don't know anyway um i don't know uh you can't but tell for the most part this film i haven't seen this since i think since it came out oh wow it's not really one of those movies you run back to no right? you don't go oh boy can't wait till it comes out on vhs so i can make out while it's playing in the background with my girlfriend it's <laughs> It's not one of those movies um you know it's it's and i don't think it really gives you a whole lot to 
think about, right? It kind of presents it. Here's what this was like. You go, ew, I hate that. I'm so glad I never had to go through that. Yeah. And maybe I have a better understanding of the people who went through it so that I can approach them with a little bit more compassion, with a little bit more understanding. I don't know. Maybe do something to help those people, right, who are still dealing with the aftermath of having to go through it. But it's not really something that's asking you to think about larger issues, right? No. Yeah. yeah. It's not asking you to think about the nature of war. It's not asking you to think about, you know, ooh, were we right to be there? We brought those things in. In this in this in this review, we brought those things in. Oh, should we have been there? It's not interested in necessarily the quote unquote politics as to why the US was in there. Those don't matter to the people who were there. Right. Right. You know, it only matters if the United States went, oh, what are we doing? Let's get everybody <laughs> there. But that's not gonna happen for another what, five years after this movie takes place? Yeah, because the movie's what, sixty eight, it says. So yeah, about five yeah. years. Yeah. 67, 68. Something like that, yeah. When it wasn't fun anymore. When it wasn't fun you know? anymore. Yeah. And also when our country moved on. When even the, the Republicans were like, let's end the war. <laughs> Remember when Nixon announced the end of the war, it was like the country didn't give a shit. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's still happening? Are we still fighting that thing? Seriously? We were only really upset about that for a couple of years when it was trendy. That's still happening? Gee, yeah, like, that doesn't sound fucking familiar. We're not even protesting it anymore. Like, we're fine. You can keep fight it if you want mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i mean it's it's one of those movies that basically goes here's what it was like what do you think and you're like no thank you let's hopefully learn something from this so that we don't do it again did we no okay let's go let's just <laughs> we don't learn things what are you talking about oh we didn't immediately start a war that lasted longer than any other war that the united states has ever been in ever right steve we why would we do that and we definitely definitely the government didn't fail any of the guys that were coming back from that extended conflict right steve <laughs> well that would just be unconscionable Anyway, <laughs> oh, my blood pressure's going up. <laughs> anyway, um, aside from some of the scripting problems, aside from that one performance that's in there, I appreciated the film. I really mm -hmm. did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, aside from those things, I, you know, I'm just going to say it. I recommend the film. If you haven't seen it, then stand away from it. I get why you've been staying away from it, but it's an important movie. And um, it's, you know, by and large, it is well scripted well, and well acted. And um, yeah, it's a downer. But sometimes you got to go see a movie. You got to go see a downer movie because those have benefits just as much as going and watching the baby slip in the diarrhea for three and a half. Hours. I don't know. I don't know what comedies are doing anymore. I'm assuming that it's it's more baby slipping and diarrhea. That's <laughs> my go to it's, for it's, Hollywood comedies at this point. It's baby um, slipping and diarrhea and then just references to things from other movies. Of other babies. Yeah, of other babies. Yeah. Like remember that other time a little baby slipped in diarrhea? Oh, that was funny. Exactly. So Steve, you recommend? Very very much, very much. I yes. recommend, yes. Steve? Yes. Not recommend something. Oh, buddy, have I got a not recommendation for you. Hooray. So you remember that movie Top Gun, right? Oh, I was hoping you were going to recommend Baby G Baby Geniuses in the shit. <laughs> not very the many Vietnam. people know that one. It's, it is a Viet. It's the, the Baby Geniuses Vietnam movie, which um, yeah, where the generals yeah. go, hey, we got to send these Baby Geniuses back in time to win the Vietnam War for us. Yeah, yeah. I really don't think Christopher Lloyd should have been a, a character in that. I mean. Ah. <laughs> We've got to send the babies back to Vietnam. When do I get paid? As soon as the scene is over. Okay, doke. 
this seems like it's in somewhat poor taste. <laughs> you made a movie with Hulk Hogan. You have no, you have no room to to argue poor taste anymore. Oh boy, well, we should. You're, oh, right, you're right. Boy, it's if only I hadn't already picked my birthday movie. <laughs> huh? What? Nothing. Was it Air Bud Denang conflict? <laughs> no, but close. Okay. What um, was it? So you remember you remember the movie Top Gun, right? Sure, I remember it. You ever wonder what Top Gun would have been like if it took place during Vietnam? Depends on what happens to Maverick. Nothing. If Maverick has to hide a watch up his ass for five years, <laughs> oh then, I don't God. know. <laughs> I would watch that for sure. No, sure. no. The movie I'm going to not recommend is, I, I refer to it affectionately as Top Gun in Vietnam. Okay. Um, it's called Flight of the Intruder. Oh, okay. It's Top Gun in Vietnam. and Sure. And it's bad. It's a bad movie. <laughs> but here's the thing. Willem Dafoe is in this too, which just, goes, which just goes to show that he's not Superman. He can't do everything. He may be a great actor, but you can't just drop him in the middle of a pile of crap and he's be like, there you go. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm not mad at him. Exactly. He's got to eat. An actor's got to act. It's not yeah. like they're just writing, writing parts for someone as uniquely, physically unique as Willem Dafoe. That's true. And you know, speaking of physically unique, he's rocking a mustache in this. Oh wow! I can't even picture that. By far the most interesting thing in the movie, Willem Dafoe with him a mustache, a beard going crazy in a lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, much better movie. <laughs> um, no, it also stars. It also stars Danny Glover. Um, okay. And Brad Johnson. Don't worry. He never did anything else okay. very important. Is that a real name? That's uh, uh, Brad Johnson. Yes. Tom <laughs> Tom Sizemore is in it. Uh, okay. Ving Rhames, Dan Florek, Rosanna Arquette. Like, it's got a, a, a good cast, but it's it's Top Gun in Vietnam. And it's just a really bad movie. And it's not, not only is it kind of a dumb, corny, like, military, rah-rah action movie um, about fighter pilots in Vietnam... Mm. but it's so poorly made and this is real and anybody who wants to check me on this go and watch the trailer for it on youtube it's so okay. poor, it's so poorly made there is a boom mic visible in the trailer <laughs> i have never seen that before <laughs> I have never seen. There's lot. There's there's all there's all kinds of movies where if you watch, you know, little mistakes happen, right? There's production oversights. There's all oh kinds my of. Gosh. You can you can watch movies and you see you catch a little boom mic here and there along the top of the frame. It happens, right? It's not a big deal. I've never sure. ever ever seen a movie where there is a boom mic visible in a shot in the trailer, and oh, that's great. Somehow, Flight of the Intruder pulls that off. So so that is my not recommendation. If you watch Platoon and you're like. What else have we got as far as Vietnam movies? I do not recommend that you watch Flight of the Intruder, but do go on YouTube and watch the trailer because I won't wa watch. Watch, it. watch for the boom mic. <laughs> I will not do it. I will watch for the boom mic. <laughs> well, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1986. And there wasn't going to be another Vietnam War movie for me to, to, to not recommend. So I decided, huh, I bet there's a bad movie out there that's somehow related to this one. And then I found it. Oh, boy. Because there's more than one Sheen. Oh. But he goes by a different name. Dundee yeah. Steve. He goes by his, uh, his original his name. His real name. Yeah. Emilio Estevez. Yes. And he's his daddy's favorite. Oh. And also Emilio's done well for himself. He has. He's a director. He's yeah. a fairly decent one at that. Sure. 
sure. You know, he said, I, I don't have it to be to, to be a star. I'm going to step down. That's right. And I'm going to I'm going to start directing. But he this was before he stepped down. And he, <laughs> he decided he's going to make this movie. Oh, yeah, boy. His brother was just in an Academy Award nominated movie about Vietnam. And he decided to be in Maximum Override. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, here's a good idea. Give a movie to someone who's never directed anything, who's snorting cocaine while he's yes. talking to you. Yes, yes, yes. That and person it, being Stephen King. Yes. Whose big idea for his movie is, all the machines come alive. How? I don't know. Meteor? <laughs> something? Something. Something happens. But these people, can you imagine the pitch, right? You're like, oh boy, oh boy. We're going to sit down with Stephen King and he has an idea for a movie and all he wants to do is direct it. And I'm like, okay, great. And so you go to a restaurant and he's got a bowl of cocaine in front of him. And he just, he says, okay, I want to make a movie where these people get trapped inside of a, a gas station. And I'm like, oh, cool. What's what's trapped him in there? Some sort of esoteric horror that's come up out of the ground? No, it's better than that. All of the All of the machines have come back to life and the trucks and cars make them start pumping gas. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. And an electric knife comes alive and, like, comes after him. How does it do that? You know, it kind of floats in the air. What? What's what? making it float in the air, Steven? How is it floating? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear you. I was snorting some coke just then. He's snorting so much coke that it's shooting out in spurts from his ears. And they're like, okay, here's money. Just here. We trust you. It comes out of his mouth in puffs whenever he talks. <laughs> He's sprinkling it on all of his food. <laughs> now, out of his mind on Coke is not something that I've made up. That's a direct quote from Stephen King. Oh, yes. That he was out of his mind on Coke when he made Maximum Override. I want to say it's so bad it's good, but it's not. It's just bad. It's just bad. And it's so dumb. Steve, it is. There are Corman movies that are smarter than this film. <laughs> You know, they have to, oh, we got to get away. We got to get to a boat, but it can't be a speedboat because nope. that'll peel live. <laughs> can't so have machines. A, we need a sailboat. And they're like, but literally, the, the premise goes right out the window. Okay, so machines are alive, right? And so one of the ways to keep everybody inside of the gas station in line, and it's like a gas station slash diner, is that a military jeep comes up and it's got a machine gun attached to it. <laughs> now, the machine gun, even though it has the word machine, in it doesn't right. have anything in it that would make it be a machine no it's would only it? a, it's only electrical machines that have come to life and the, me yeah, the machine gun is just mechanical yeah the machine yeah, gun is purely right. mechanical yeah but i guess because it's attached to the jeep the jeep can now control the machine gun that just fires on its own i mean a he's belt, got electric he's got electric knives floating machine gun <laughs> he, he's got electric knives floating around for Christ's sake. I don't That's think he was. I don't think he was worried about. It. Oh, but how's the jeep gonna fire the gun? He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I'm surprised he remembers making it. To be quite honest, I directed a film. There's a period of time in 1986 where everything just became like a white blur. <laughs> I think it was snowing. <laughs> <laughs> don't see it it's not good maximum override uh steve yes hey steve yes jason you want the next show isn't it? i think i i think i do yeah it's it's the it's the beginning of our it's our 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 annual uh two-part self-indulgence that's where right birthday birthday show we do birthday movies 
That's right. We do birthday movies. And since your birthday is the beginning of May, it's going to be your birthday movie. Right, mm. Steve? It is. It is. Now it's time for you to make a terrible choice. <laughs> oh, my God. What? I didn't expect this. I have picked three movies where I'm fairly certain that Steve likes. Oh, he boy. can't do this for me because he doesn't listen to me when I talk. So he has no idea what my favorite <laughs> movies are. He's not going to be able to do this for me, but I'm doing it for him. I'm going to be like, oh, fuck, we already did Baron von Munchausen. Shit. <laughs> and I only knew he liked it when he said it out loud what on else, the show. What else does he like? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Steve. Okay. So I picked three movies that I think you'll like. Oh, boy. I can't wait for this. Okay. And you need to say, he doesn't know what these movies are. You know no. the drill. If you haven't listened to another show where I explain it better, um, where he's going to pick A, B, or C. He doesn't know what these movies are. It's a blind choice, and it's for his birthday, so they don't follow the same stupid fucking rules I came up with <laughs> 10,000 years ago when I started this show. It doesn't have to, they don't have to be classic movie. It doesn't have to be a movie that's more than 10 years old. It's just what we want to, what we want to review. <laughs> the, right? the, the, the gloves are off. Yeah. And since I have written down everything that Steve's like on a likes on a pen on a on a tablet in front of the shrine that I have erected to him in my house. <sighs> I have taken three movies that I'm pretty sure he's gonna like. Steve, oh, please I can't wait. choose. Okay. This is important. Yes. A, B, okay. or C. Okay. I'm going to choose because this is for my birthday. I'm going to choose the letter that just so happens to be my middle initial, which is C. You chose C. I chose C. Okay. <laughs> yeah, even for the birthday pick, it's like you're disappointed. It's like, oh, okay. I'm not disappointed. Okay. I'm not. Okay, good. I'm anticipating I'm your reaction. Oh, boy. Okay. 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 Let's hear it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to let the tension build. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Okay, had you chosen A, you're yes. going to get it real quick. As okay. soon as I say it, you're going to know what this is all about. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, okay, okay. Had you chosen A, we would review on the next show for your birthday, Point Break. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> had you chosen B, we would have reviewed for your birthday on the next show, Next of Kin. Ooh, okay. But instead, you chose C. Yes. So the next movie that we're going going to review for your birthday it's been a long time coming <laughs> is the patrick swayze vehicle yes roadhouse okay now i'm super excited about this i need to say something and i promise this is 100 true and if anybody needs proof of this i can supply it <laughs> before i knew that you were going to do an a b or c choice for this yes I chose a movie to do for my birthday. Okay. And I wrote it in my show notes here. Okay. Okay, so I can show it to anybody who doubts that this is a true story. I swear to God, <laughs> the movie I picked for my birthday show this year yes. was Roadhouse. <laughs> So not only did you include Roadhouse in the selection, but sure. it's but it's the one that got picked. So it's I'm fate, just dude. I'm just it's putting fate. it out there. Yeah. Okay. So you heard it here first. If you guys want to get all the jokes or understand why I'm being so mean, then tune in to the next show where we'll be reviewing Roadhouse. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening in. For late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives, and imagine how weird it was for me to be watching this movie and to hear a character utter the phrase that I fully intend to have carved on my tombstone. Ain't nothing like a piece of pussy, except maybe the Indy 500. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
So that's what I'm I'm going to be putting on your tombstone. That's I, mean, I feel that, I would yeah I would like for that to be my epitaph. Yeah, you know, have like my name and my the dates, and then at the bottom, a picture and, of and, you, uh, maybe a picture. Sure, it just depends on how much you want to spend. How about and, a big angel holding your body limply, and the angels crying? Yeah, and right under below it. What was it that you wanted to inscribe again? Ain't nothing like a piece of pussy, except maybe the Indy Five Hundred. Great. And can we can we have your burial in a non traditional place, like at an elementary school, like right? Right up front where the flagpole is. I would love, that. Is, I would like love that. that. That's a good idea. I would love I would love that. And or maybe like if you can't bury me there, then buy like one of those memorial benches. Sure. And put and that and, and, and inscribe that on the bench, like right in front of the school. The bench. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, this bench dedicated to the memory of Steve Shives ain't nothing like a piece of pussy except maybe the Indy 500. <sighs> okay, Steve. Well, great. I'm, I'm writing all this down. Cool. I, 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 I knew I could count on you. No, of course. I'll come yeah. through for you. I'm going to get in a big fight, aren't I? I'm going to get in a big fight with your family. It's going to be like, he didn't mean that. I like, I have proof. Oh, this no, podcast. no. Well, it, it depends. I mean, it depends on who, like, if it, I, you know, like, if my dad's still around, he won't care. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll be like, I thought he was more of a baseball fan, but well, whatever. Yeah, I didn't know he liked the piece of poison. I didn't know he liked NASCAR. Or Indi- I didn't know he liked the, you know, the Indy 500 the Indy- that much, but yeah. whatever. I didn't know you even liked cars. <laughs> Can I make a video of it? Send it to all the anti-SJWs going, oh, yeah, well, look at this. This is what he wanted on his tombstone. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, yeah. Now will you let him rest too? in now you will you let him rest in peace, you bastards? So not only can I put up this wholly offensive very monument extremely offensive, extremely offensive to your yeah. life. Yeah. But then I can just wreck shop on your reputation as well? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, fucking awesome. I mean, what am I going to care? I'm going to be dead. Do whatever you want. Yeah, just, no. Just put so that on my wanna, tombstone. When do you want to do this? I, I, can oh, I, was, there, I can be there in like days. No, I was thinking after my natural death. No, natural death. Well, what's a natural death? Anything that happens on Earth is technically a natural death. Whether you're poisoned, shot, stabbed, hit by a car, house on fire while you're tied to a bed. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We need. We really need to talk this over some more. Okay. I'm. Uh, I'm awesome to work out some details, man. That's, yeah. This is. This is great. I. I know exactly who to contact. I know exactly oh. where to put on your marker. I know exactly okay. where to put it. I yep. know exactly what to do on YouTube after cool. you're dead. Okay. And be like, hey, guess what? He totally. He about faced right before he died. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you go ahead and you know you start doing whatever you need to do over there, and All I'm. Right. I'm gonna go pack. Hey, there's a flight right available right now. I can be there yeah i can make that you can make that okay yeah you're still at the same address that you foolishly gave to me several years ago right yeah but i'm yeah but i'm i'm gonna go i'm 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 yeah okay i might not be home when you get here but oh, I, I can wait you can just wait yeah in the meantime i'll start doing that whole you know ruining your reputation thing by taking over your channel through your computer and yeah you go know, ahead stuff like that sure sure, awesome. sure 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 cool sure. this is gonna be great. Like a plan. it's gonna be fun awesome yep cool see you soon bye everybody bye everybody Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts.
Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.